When you picture Arizona, the first images that come to mind are probably of the Grand Canyon, cacti, and large stretches of desolate desert. This, however, is an incomplete picture of this region of the American Southwest. While it's true that Arizona does possess some of the most striking stretches of harsh desert in the country, it also contains immense pine forests, high mountain peaks, and areas known as sky islands. I feel that it is important to point out for those of you who haven't visited Arizona, since Arizona's most famous cryptid is not, as you might imagine, some monstrous lizard or forgotten dinosaur, but in fact, a wild man, the Mugion monster to be exact. The Mugion monster takes its name from the area where the majority of sightings have been reported. The Mugion Rim is an area that stretches from Williams, Arizona, a bit northwest of Flagstaff, southeast towards Clifton, Arizona. The Mugion Rim covers much of the Tonto and Coconino National Forest, which is much more densely wooded than you would expect if you've never been to Arizona. The Mugion Monster is said to stand around 7 feet tall and is covered with gray fur over most of its body. The creature is said to have long claws and an incredibly foul odor. Many claim it is omnivorous and capable of the most unnatural howl you have ever heard. Interestingly though, the oldest recorded sightings of the monster don't come from the Mugion Rim, but rather from a 1903 account from the eastern edge of the Grand Canyon. According to many, this account was first published in the San Francisco Examiner and then reprinted shortly thereafter in the Arizona Republican. This article recounts an encounter by I.W. Stevens, who was in northern Arizona around the turn of the century for business. After he had finished his business in the area, he decided to take a short rafting expedition towards the Grand Canyon. According to the article, Stevens' main intention of the trip was, to quote him directly, to kill time and catch a few beaver. After traveling several miles down the Colorado River, he reached a point where the river became much rougher and he beached his raft so that he could begin to explore the surrounding area. As he walked along the beach, he noticed footprints in the sand by the river. Stevens assumed that the tracks had been made by a member of the local Native American tribe. As he walked farther along the shore, he came across more tracks in the mud and sand. The following day, Stevens thought he saw a man seated high up on a cliff. He crossed over the river and quickly made his way towards the man on the cliff. After a strenuous climb, he finally reached a point where he had a good view of the man. However, what he saw in front of him wasn't like any man he had ever seen before. The figure was large, larger than any man he had seen in his travels. The white hair and beard reached down to his knees. Most of the rest of his body was covered in a coat of gray hair. Its fingers ended in what Stevens could only describe as talons. What Stevens had stumbled across was a wild man. As Stevens was observing the monstrous creature, a rock fell somewhere in the canyon nearby. The noise caused it to turn around quickly and discover Stevens watching from a short distance away. In the blink of an eye, it was on its feet, holding a club and charging rapidly towards Stevens. It was at this point that Stevens first saw its face. He described the face as horrifying, seared brown from the sun with fiery green eyes. 
The wild man stopped suddenly a short distance away from Stevens, and, if you can believe it, they both noticed a cougar on a nearby ledge, about to pounce on the wild man. Stevens raised his rifle and shot the cougar midway through its leap. Before the echo of the rifle had faded, both Stevens and the unknown wild man ran off in separate directions. As they ran, the creature let out the most blood-chilling howl Stevens had ever heard. Once he had gotten far enough away from the scene of the encounter to feel comfortable slowing down, he looked back towards the site. He saw the creature hunched over, not only the body of the cougar Stevens had shot, but its two cubs as well, which the wild man must have clubbed to death. As Stevens watched, the wild men kneeled down and started to drink the blood of the dead cougars. At this point, Stevens had seen enough. He hastily made his way out of the canyon and back towards civilization. As incredible as the story is, it's not the last time the wild man of the gorge will be sighted in northern Arizona. The next well-known encounter with the Mugion monster occurred on a Boy Scout camping trip in the mid-1940s. Don Davis, who was 13 at the time, was on a camping trip with his Boy Scout troop near Tonto Creek in the Tonto National Forest. During the night, while the scouts were sleeping, Don was woken up by a rustling sound around the camp. He looked around, expecting to see something common like a coyote or a javelina trying to get into their gear. He called out, trying to scare off whatever was rummaging around their camp. However, as his eyes adjusted to the night, the shape he saw moving towards him in the dark sent chills down his spine. According to Don, the creature was huge. Its eyes were deep set and hard to see, but they seemed expressionless. His face seemed pretty much devoid of hair, but there seemed to be hair along the sides of his face. His chest, shoulders, and arms were massive, especially the upper arms easily upwards of six inches in diameter, perhaps much, much more. I could see he was pretty hairy, but I didn't observe really how thick the body hair was. The face was very square, square sides and squared up chin, like a box. After standing over Don in the dark for what seemed like hours, the creature moved off into the night. One other observation Don noted was the overpowering, foul odor of the creature that lingered in the night air. One side effect of our modern world, connected by the internet, is our apparent need to categorize and connect similar stories. As a result of this, the Mugion monster has morphed into a type of Bigfoot for many people. The majority of modern stories of the Mugion monster come from Bigfoot researchers who treat this as simply a standard issue Bigfoot investigation. However, I think that this is missing a key aspect of the legend, the legend of the wild man. Stories of wild men go back as long as humanity has been keeping written records. There are references to forms of wild men in the ancient epic of Gilgamesh. Enkidu is raised by animals and is ignorant of human society. In some depictions, he's shown as a feral human, and in others, he's part man, part bull. In the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar II goes mad as a punishment for his pride. He roams the countryside, naked and covered in hair, eating grass. Stories of wild men continue in Europe throughout the Middle Ages, 
with every town or forest having their resident wild man. Much of the time these stories seem to serve a purpose. Many of these wild men serve the role as a cautionary tale for children about the dangers of the forest. However, I think that at a deeper level, these stories point to a fear that we all have in our modern world. The wild man seems to play on our fears that we might not be as civilized as we'd like to think. That underneath the mask and decorations of society, there is something wild and unpredictable inside ourselves. In the collection of essays titled The Wild Man Within, the author describes this fear as the fear of the potentialities lurking in the heart of every individual, whether primitive or civilized, as his possible incapacity to come to terms with the socially provided world. We fear what would happen if we or those around us became detached from the social norms and rules that we function under in every aspect of our lives. We fear that we may not be quite as far from the wild man as we'd like to think. One way we try to deal with this problem is by morphing the wild man into an actual creature of the forest instead of a man fallen from society, something closer to ourselves. We can see this in the attempt by some to force the Mugion monster and other wild men stories into the category of a Bigfoot, into a widespread secretive species unknown to science. To me, this is trying to force a wide variety of folklore stories under a single umbrella and disregards the impact of a legend on the region, and the impact on local culture has on their particular monster. Now let's change directions a bit and look at this monster to see if it would be possible for a creature like this to exist in such a harsh climate as Arizona. As I discussed in the beginning of this episode, Arizona is much more diverse than just the Grand Canyon and the Sonoran Desert. It supports several large animals, such as deer, elk, javelina, and mountain lions. While it certainly would be considered a desert, there is also plenty of water available, particularly in the mountains. I do not see any reason why such a creature couldn't survive in this region of Arizona from a water, food, and climate perspective. Additionally, while Arizona certainly has as heavily populated regions, I have on many occasions driven for hours without seeing another person or car in the more remote areas. So I guess that it's possible for a large humanoid wild man to be living in the Mugion Rim, doing its best to keep hidden from the ever-expanding reach of civilization. Possible, but unlikely. Actually, I think the only monstrous thing you'll find on the Rim is a race known as the Mugion Monster 100 a 100-mile running race through the Mugion Rim. I'm basing this conclusion primarily on the information contained in the newspaper article with the original account of I.W. Stevens. I left off the beginning of the article, which contains the reporter for the newspaper's impressions of this tale. I'm going to close out this episode with this section of the article. This seems to be the genesis for this local legend, so that you can come to your own conclusions. An additional attraction has been provided at the Great Gorge. The people of Arizona duly appreciate the fact that they have in the Grand Canyon the greatest attraction for tourists that the world affords. But they have silently mourned the absence of exciting features in connection with the wonderful gorge. 
Every little Jim Crow seashore resort has its sea serpent, but the Grand Canyon has been under the serious handicap of having nothing but its own scenery wherewith to thrill visitors. The shortage has been remedied. The canyon has a wild man. We know it harbors a wild man, for the San Francisco Examiner is authority for the story, and the Examiner never lies. At least, it does not always admit that it is lying. And anyway, people are hard to please who insist upon an affidavit with each story that appears in the Sunday supplements of the Yellow Journals. Our own citizens who visit the canyon this summer should not fail to take along a camera for protection against the wild man. But here is the story. Many strange stories have been told of the wild man of the Grand Canyon of the Colorado. And while some persons have credited these weird tales, they have for the most part been regarded as ingenious inventions of imaginative travelers, and have passed into tradition as such. Thank you for joining us this week on American Monsters. If you enjoyed this episode on the Monkey on Monster, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode on the Legend of the Thunderbird. Once again, thank you for listening to American Monsters.